What's up, good people? It's your host, Deacon Daniel. Welcome to another part of KC Show. And again, this is the show that brings you the top leaders in KC uh, to talk about the most important uh, matters at hand. And today, I got two great leaders here joining me. Um, first of all, I have an awesome lady, a mentor. She is one of the leading. Uh, she actually was on the Ingram magazine uh, from one of the top people. So uh, I want to make welcome. She was also the director of policy for the office of mayor from about, I think it was from 2014 to 2019. Um, she was the director of policy and research for the civil council of greater Kansas City. And now she is the director of policy and strategic initiatives for Health Forward Foundation. Make welcome. Miss Macklin, Ma McLean Macklin. Good morning. Welcome to the Thank show. You. Welcome to the Thank show. You. It's an honor to have a legend on my show today. Oh, please. Every time I'm always like, my mom <laughs> made it. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's bring on our next guest. He was the project manager for the uh, and development finance division uh, for the city of Kansas City, and now he is the president on AutoCap. Let's make welcome, Mr. Ruben Alonso. I wish I, I I wish I had some beat. music. Yeah, like some <laughs> intro music, man. <laughs> drum roll, drum roll, man. Yeah. I'm excited and honored to have, man. Top people in KC. I'm just like every time I call my mom, like mom, you know, I don't have a lot of money right now, but I know a lot of top people in KC. So hey, um, I'm excited to have you guys. Welcome it's to the who you know, Zeke. Um, uh, without further ado, uh, uh, Mrs. So you, you, Mrs. McLean, can you give us a little bio about yourself and tell people who's here today? Because I know I've been, so I'm honestly, I've been, let me, let me not be weird, but I have been looking at your profile a lot. Everything you do, you've just been from just going top to top. So I'm honored to have you here today. Just give a little bio about yourself. Sure. So I, I am honored uh, that, uh, that you think so highly of me. Um, I, I, mean, who I, uh, <laughs> I, hope, I hope I can live up to your expectations. Um, and the expectations that you've set for um, for your audience. Uh, but, but first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on because I've been a fan of yours as well and watching the work that you're doing as, as a college student. I'm amazed at, at the interest that you've already shown in your community. Um, so thank you. Uh, so McLean Bryant-Macklin, uh, I am from Kansas City. I've lived all over the region, but primarily in KCK uh, and in Kansas City, Missouri. So I am a child of this community. Um, and even though I went away for, uh, for law school and undergraduate and graduate school, um, you know, I came back uh, because I'm, I'm vested here and I want to invest here. Uh, and so that has been been my work. Um, I started at a, a law firm, but that firm uh, really nurtured my interest in politics and policy. Um, and it was because of the support of uh, the firm that I started my career with that I um, developed a relationship with Sly James. He was the first black partner mm. at that firm. Uh, and when he decided to run for mayor, I jumped on board immediately um, and made it my mission to connect him and his agenda to uh, the young professionals in the city to make sure that our needs are addressed in terms of educating our own children, a quality of life uh, that would attract and retain young talent in Kansas City. Uh, and so I, uh, soon thereafter, um, left the law firm to work for Mayor James full-time as his policy director. Uh, after having worked with him as his appointee to the Parks Board uh, and on his transition team. Uh, but I just really believed in the vision that he had for the city. 
uh, and wanted to help to both frame and execute that. So that was largely my role uh, as its policy director, um, but to also to make sure that what was happening in the city uh, had an equity lens put on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I, I left, not because I wanted to, because I had to, we were nearing the end of his administration mm-hmm. um, and with term limits, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and so fortunately a position at the civic council was available um, and the civic council uh, is a little known, uberly powerful organization in the region. Uh, it's a membership organization of the CEOs of the largest employers in the region. So you have to bring in a boatload of money every year and have a ton of employees to even qualify mm-hmm. for an invitation to membership. And it's been the business community's way of impacting public policy since its founding in the in the 1960s. Uh, and as you could probably guess, it's not the most historically diverse organization, but um, in uh, the last few years, there's been um, a realization and an acceptance of the fact that if uh, all segments of our community aren't thriving, if there are any segments that are lagging, then we aren't maximizing our potential as, mm-hmm. as a region. And so there's been a concerted effort to help to uplift marginalized communities. And so that was largely the work that I was brought on to lead, in addition to the more broader policy um, agenda ad- advocacy for the organization. So um, I was at the Civic Council and really enjoying the work that I was doing, um, and then COVID hit. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that just coincided with um, the helm of one of our uh, most active and well-funded foundations uh, being taken over by a Black woman, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, how many black female CEOs are there in Kansas city, let alone, you know, outside of Kansas city. So it provided a unique opportunity for me to um, focus on health equity at a critical time um, and under a unique leadership that shares the vision and heart um, that, that I myself have. So here I am at health Ford foundation, focusing on the social determinants of health and health equity and access to health. Um, and so that's that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Welcome. Welcome to the show. A great honor to have you here today. Uh, Mr. Ruben, give us a little bio about yourself and let people know who we have here today. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, thanks for having me, Zeke. And hey, uh, just so you know, I follow McLean too as well. I mean, you know, wherever McLean is, like you're you're at the she's at the cutting edge of like politics, policy yeah. and, and business. She didn't even talk about her, her entrepreneurial experience, which I'd love for her to share about that a little bit too. But um, yeah, a little bit about me. Um, so I, I'm the president of AltCap. We're a community development financial institution. Uh, we've been around for um, a little over 12 years, uh, very focused on uh, increasing the flow of capital to communities and businesses that are underserved or uh, overlooked by kind of mainstream finance. Mm. Um, so uh, over the last four or five months, it's been pretty intense. I mean, really our role has been to provide a financial lifeline to the small business community during this economic disruption caused by COVID. Um, but that's, you know, the role that we were, we're happy to play and um, essentially, you know, have been playing in terms of, you know, increasing that access to capital mm-hmm. uh, to small businesses that have historically been, um, you know, again, overlooked or underserved by, by traditional financial institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Altcap very much is a um, uh, kind of very innovative, versatile, 
organization in terms of how we deliver capital, uh, but our, our focus is, is the, the region. So working on both sides of the state line um, to really just support small business investments and business investments um, in, in the region. Uh, we also are very much involved through a couple of sister organizations that we have, Community Capital Fund, which focuses on uh, neighborhood community capacity building. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a, a company called Equity Square that's very involved in impact investing and opportunity zone investing and have to you know, talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, yeah, just really um, proud to be part of an organization that, that's doing its part um, to address some of the... Um, disparities that we have in our in our communities in terms of access to capital entrepreneurship and really trying to uh, to use entrepreneurship as an econ economic empowerment tool uh, for communities and, and uh, um, people living in, in the region mm -hmm. wow um, for those of you who listen don't know I have two pillars of Kansas City here today I have the policy and I have the finance so I got the money and the power all together in one place so it's, it's an honor um this is mclean i want to ask you this when did you realize that there is an income gap or an equity gap when it comes to Kansas city when it comes to uh you know uh property ownership or when it comes to income ownership because for me personally it was me taking a class an architecture class that talked about redlining and when i learned about that that has been the epiphany that I had is that, oh, that's the reason why this is so. Was there a personal story for you that introduced you to that concept of like, yo, I need to help my community out? Or how did you come about that realization? It's, it's something that I've been aware of for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's because I was kind of raised in this work. Um, my dad ran an organization called Freedom Incorporated for a long time, and we were involved all throughout my life. Um, and so I was aware of the issues that impacted the Black community and how difficult it was to advocate or see any movement on those issues and the importance of having um, representatives in our elected bodies to help to move those issues forward. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was, it, was, it was readily apparent to me that, you know, because my dad was a lawyer, that we had a lot more than a lot of other black families. Um, and, you know, the, the truth dividing line, you know, when I was younger, I described it as that, that wall that uh, Roger Rabbit uh, crashed through. Mm. And on the black and white, gray and gloomy side, that's Easter truth. And you crash through and mm. all of a sudden, in the brookside and the yeah. sun is shining and, and, and it's and it's it, that visual is is an ac accurate depiction of the feeling that you get when you cross over truths yeah. and it's, it's less dark today but during my childhood it was just it was a blatant mm. um disparity in um the the income and opportunities and just quality of life uh that exists in our city mm, mm. mr rubin what 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 is your experience that introduced you to that the mindset that you have today yeah um you know i think um just a lot of the work um that i've been doing here in kansas city i mean kansas city is a very still a very kind of segregated um city economically socially um and you know as um as part of leading an organization that that's really trying to kind of bridge um those gaps um you know truce like mclean said is, is has been this just very kind of 
tangible, um, you know, line in our, in our community. But, um, you know, I think there, there's, there's, there's hope in, in what's been accomplished over the last, you know, I think a uh, few years, certainly our, our activity on Truist, I think, you know, we're hoping to kind of create a un uniting line along Truist, mm -hmm. um, just with the investment that we're, we're making along Truist on real estate development, you know, businesses, um, you know, we've, we've put about $40 million into projects and investments along Truist and, and you're, you're starting to see, see the positive impact of that and, mm -hmm. and how you're, we're starting to blur that line and hopefully can continue to keep, um, you know, bringing this community together. Um, but it, it, it takes, it takes a lot of, of, of actors to do that. It's not, you know, we, 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 we were just, we're just a small part. Um, but, but to us, I mean, I think, you know, we're not a social justice organization, but we're definitely an economic justice. And that is a, a huge part of, of, you know, how we're going to bring this community together. Mm -hmm. mm. From, for me as a student who is trying to learn, who's trying to be a sponge and get information, uh, moving, what are some specific issues that you think that are important for people to understand that you are trying to solve or some things you think that needs more attention, but don't want to pay attention to? Yeah. I mean, I think certainly in our work, I think the history of, of redlining, you know, why um, segregation, you know, um, still kind of exists in, in a lot of ways and how we're, as I said, economic and socially segregated. I, mean, I think really appreciating, understanding that history and, and how it still, it, you know, can be perpetuated in a lot of ways, uh, whether, you know, implicit or ex explicitly. Um, and that's, you know, that's what kind of I think drives our our uh, our mission and our 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 um, you know uh, our purpose um, is to 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 start to kind of change change people's minds about again it, you know lending in you know east of Troost. Mm -hmm. um, you know we 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 work with a lot of banks that you know still probably you know um, look at um, east of Troost very differently uh, and what and whether they realize it or not are, are still probably redlining. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, for, for me, I think, um, you know, this community understanding more of that history, I think will, will help, help actually, uh, you know, uh, find solutions to, to, again, how we can, uh, we can kind of address some of those long-term historical, um, you know, policies and decisions that were made that are still, still impacting mm. Kansas City as a community. Yeah. Um, for you, it. Coming up and, you know, uh, being in the policy and being able to learn the different things also, what are some uh, specific issues that you've seen that you think needs some light into it and needs some solutions into it, but no one is really talking about this thing? Yeah, gosh, there, there are so many. Um, you know, the issue that I'm most singularly focused on right now is, is access to healthcare. And mm -hmm. so, we're deeply involved in efforts to expand Medicaid in the state. Um, some 36,000 black people are uh, positioned to benefit from Medicaid expansion, uh, 230,000 residents statewide. Um, and Medicaid expansion would go a long way to reducing the health disparities that we see in terms of life expectancy mm -hmm. in the black community, um, in terms of morbidity to, to preventable diseases. Um, and so that's that's what we are singularly focused on up until the August 4th election. Um, aside from that, and related to that really, um, is digital equity, uh, something that I worked on um, in the mayor's office and am uh, 
working on now, we even worked on at the Civic Council, uh, COVID, I think really uh, shined a light on uh, the importance of connectivity to high-speed broadband mm -hmm. um, and how that is an essential need for residents, particularly in this working from home, schooling from home, telemedicine, uh, even consuming from home environment. Um, and without that connectivity, you just can't participate in the 21st century economy. And I think that for those of us who are connected to broadband, we kind of take it for granted um, and think that, you know, so long as, uh, you know, someone has uh, a low speed, uh, low cap connectivity on their cell phone, that they'll be all right. Mm. And we're learning that that's not the case. Mm. Um, so I think really, you know, because health equity is a result of what we call the social determinants of health, which is everything from uh, the ability to accumulate wealth and access to capital to healthy housing and transportation options and just the gamut of policy um, and digital equity uh, sort of it's, it's a one is is kind of like a one kind of permeates out into everything else mm -hmm. and the other is kind of like the result of everything else and I would mm -hmm. say digital equity is the one that permeates out into everything else that if you don't have uh, access to broadband, you can't otherwise have a good quality of life. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say those two things are, in my mind, critically important today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Zeke, I mean, that's a great point, McLean. I mean, access is, is, is so important to everything that, you know, we are as a, as a, as a society, you know, in terms of just how we um, are, are successful. Um, and, you know, we had, you know, systems in place for so long that denied access, whether, you know, again, it was education or capital or health or technology. And, and I see that as, you know, the, the priority right now is how do we um, make, make that access to all those things equitable? Um, you know, for us, we focus on, on access to capital. That's a, that's a big deal, but access to, yeah, to health, to, to good schools, to education, to technology. I mean, all that has just been highlighted um, with what we've been going through the last four years and, and in a lot of ways exacerbated with, with the COVID, but, um, yeah, I think that, that, that point that McLean made about access, I mean, that, it, it's what, that's what it's all about now. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. just getting the door. Um, if someone can get in the door, they can have access to the food, you know. If the door is not open for the people to get in, they don't even know what you have on the inside. I think access, access is key. Now, coming to 2020 being the year that they call it the year of humanity, where there's like a whole lot of things coming out every single month, we don't even know what's coming up next. Um, I'm talking about the incident of George Floyd happened and the protests happened around the country. There has all there's, there's been this discussion of some people are saying it's too much protest, it's too less protest. You know, some people are saying it's a political movement. It's not a political movement. Uh, what are you guys to start on the protest? On, 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 is the protest working or are there some other things we should also be doing at the same time as protesting? So I'll, I'll start. Um, I think that the protests are a necessary piece of this solution making. Um, that, you know, without the protests, we likely would not have gotten the attention of the those in power um, that need to start making some, some different decisions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's just, that's just, that just is what it is. I mean, you know, I'm not, um, condoning uh, violence uh, on either side, um, but uh, putting myself 
I mean, you know, as a black person, I was gonna say putting myself into the shoes, but as, as a black woman, um, the frustration is real. Um, and to anyone who can be empathetic and put yourself into the shoes of somebody else, I mean, it's, it's, it, it should be easy to understand why those that feel powerless um, exert their right to protest, um, to, to uh, vocalize and demonstrate um, their feelings and, and to bring about change. Mm -hmm. uh, because these are folks that feel as though they have no other recourse. Uh, that they have been invisible in, to the power structure. And so this is a way to get the attention that these issues deserve. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, it's, it's a piece. Um, and the policy piece um, is also a necessary piece and it's also the sustaining piece. And so, you know, while we've got the attention of decision makers, we also need to be putting forth um, thoughtful, policies that will bring about greater equity um, mm -hmm. in Kansas City and beyond um, that will that will lessen the need for protests because if we if we had an equitable and fair society if our criminal justice system was was fair if there was you know a, a value placed on black lives um, and black livelihoods mm -hmm. then there would not be reason to protest mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the process have definitely amplified some voices, um, but I think I'm a little bit influenced just, you know, um, what, from what I hear from small businesses. And yeah, I, I think a lot of people appreciate the, the reason why people are protesting, but, um, you know, it, it def definitely impacts, I think, a lot of, um, you know, how, um, or influences how, you know, a business can operate or how we can move on. Uh, at some point, I mean, we, we got to do the hard work, like McLean said, of, of, you know, making these policies that are hopefully addressing what people are protesting about. And we can't just con continue to keep protesting. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's definitely the piece, uh, you know, that hopefully starts a process, mm -hmm. um, you know, to address these really challenging issues. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I think about my dad, who um, you know he he lived during the '60s and you know he was in Newark when they were when they were protesting and there were some pretty violent protests in Newark and you know a lot of a lot of uh, of Newark which was a thriving you know commercial um, uh, city uh, a lot of Newark didn't come back from that and that, that's what I think a lot, I fear um, especially when you have COVID going on and and all this disruption you know what's going to happen to these small businesses that 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 you know create jobs for a lot of communities and. Uh, provide goods and services to communities. Mm, 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 yeah, um, I think the thing the thing that is is most prevalent in this time is the conversation that's been coming up, um, the conversation of equity, um, of being able to create a space where everyone has the same opportunity and the same chance to succeed. Um, I want to ask you guys, knowing that you guys are fully invested in making sure that the equity goes into either the policy or the financial side of things. Um, what are some steps you guys are doing to push the needle when it comes to equity in the workplace or in decision making? You can take a stab at it. Sure. So um, one thing that we've been advancing um, uh, recently at Help Forward is uh, the paid leave practices of many of these employers. Um, and it's another thing that COVID has shown the light on that has been a 
pre-existing issue and cause for disparity in Kansas City and, you know, around the country for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, without the ability to take paid time off to go see a doctor, folks are going to work sick and risking their own health and the health of those around them. Um, and so, you know, higher paid positions, salaried positions, or, you know, it somewhat varies with the employer as well, have the luxury and the peace of mind and, and the reduced stress level that comes with paid time off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there are those essential frontline workers uh, and lower wage jobs, job holders that don't. Um, and it lends itself to um, poor health outcomes, uh, but it also lends itself to poor health o- or outcomes generally yeah. across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, we as an organization, and we, we've definitely um, um, tried to to implement policies that yeah i think um, provide equitable opportunities for uh for employees and on the paid leave part i mean for um you know, uh, we have paid maternity leave so i mean i think we're, we're we're trying to make sure that we're welcoming um you know accommodating workplace for for all of our employees mm-hmm. um definitely have flexible pto and, and things like that um which i think you know are big um can be big have a big impact on, you know, whether someone could be uh, uh, successful in, in your company. Um, but kind of to expand on the, on the equity issue, I mean, um, for us, you know, as an organization, you know, equity is just a big part of, of, of what we do uh, in terms of that, you know, equitable access to capital. So it's just kind of built into, I think, our DNA and just our culture. Uh, and as an organization, you know, we, we try to um, be equitable in terms of just how we operate, um, but also, you know, how, how that, um, you know, fits into, um, you know, our, our mission and our purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and I'm sorry, Zeke, I just want to kind of piggyback on what Ruben said, because part of what he does, what's so important about what he does is that he's affording people uh, by financing their business ventures. He's affording people self-determination mm-hmm. because they can then start their own business and then employ uh, employment practices that are more sensitive to, you know, people that are just starting their careers or just more socially conscious uh, businesses, which, which startups and small businesses tend to be. Yeah, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I've seen, uh, I've seen you at the whole hub events uh, that you are, you are part of us. And I think there's all those organizations are needed in you know in the black community to help boost um, people who have ideas. Um, now I want to ask this because I know that in every industry there's always challenges, there's always things that you have to face to be able to accomplish what you're doing. Uh, what are some challenges that you guys are facing with the work you're doing right now in trying to you know bring equity or bring finance into the industry? Yeah, I. You know, the challenge for me is um, I struggle with, and I, and I have my, my doubts, although I remain hopeful, that those that are in positions of power and are privileged recognize that they are in positions of power and privilege and do something with it 
in mm -hmm. terms of exercising it to help others, but also that they are willing to share it with others because absent that, nothing's really going to change. And, you know, just hoping that uh, those that are in power and of privilege realize that there's enough to go around, that, that power and privilege has been denied to marginalize uh, segments of our population and they uh, make a like a focused, intentional effort to do something about it. Even if it means there might be a little less for themselves, recognize that we're all better when, you know, we as a whole are, are better mm -hmm. um, and as individuals are better. Um, so that's, that's the challenge. I mean, I think that there's going to be a lot of um, education and self-reckoning, self-awareness, um, and uh, acceptance that you have a part to play in the solution making. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of a, a going to be a long term and kind of painful mm -hmm. effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think there's a generational aspect to that too, McLean. I mean, in terms of um, yeah, like how how do we how do we um, get more younger people involved, more you know younger leaders like you, Zeke, involved in, in these discussions and um, bring you know the energy that you have and the perspective you have um, because I, I think there's there's a lot of just status quo that people can get really comfortable with and leader leadership in this city can get really comfortable with and mm -hmm. you know I, I think we were able to maybe um, you know challenge that a little bit over the last four months just given how how disruptive things have been um, but I, I think we, we need to kind of kind of ex extend that beyond, you know, just how we're dealing with the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a few minutes here, but I want to ask this. Um, what are two takeaways that you guys want to give out to anyone watching this at a later time? What are two major takeaways you want to give out? I want to say, this is what I want you to hear. This is what I want you to know from this conversation. McLean, you can go at it. Sure. I mean, just that this is, it's a long game. Um, and we have to commit ourselves every day, every moment um, to to equity, mm -hmm. and it be forethought and not afterthought. Um, mm -hmm. And I and Ruben mentioned this, but you know, being inclusive uh, as we design and build the community that we want, mm -hmm. uh, and just in all aspects of community building, um, whether that's you know you know placemaking or um you know different the, the different environments that we as a society have to um have to live in mm. um and it's it's just that i mean it's 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 all of our job we can approach it from different directions and play different parts in it um but whatever our lot is in life whatever our job is whatever our position is um equity should be the end game yeah 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 i know i, I that's exactly what I was gonna say um, about you know being in the long game. Like, you know, alt cap it does, isn't created overnight. Like, a career isn't created overnight. Um, getting you know that experience, you can't you know take McLean's experience and and just you know um, have that overnight. Like that, it just takes time. And I think um, understanding that and recognizing that you know there's um, um, you know having a specific kind of experience or ex expertise mm -hmm. um 
you know, that, that's, that's where I think, you know, people should really focus on it and bring that to the table and, and be, you know, be a part of a solution. Yeah. Um, but I, I think this, this, you know, this solution isn't going to happen overnight. It's going to take time and you got to be willing to kind of play that long game, um, but stay committed to, you know, to what, whatever you're, you know, whatever you're, you're pursuing, mm. uh, whatever your passion is. Yeah. Ruben, I think I heard you mention about young people um, being part of the conversation. Are there things that, you know, um, you guys are doing to be able to include young people in this, in a conversation about decision-making? Because as we all know, they always say young people are the future generation. Are there opportunities for that to happen or are there plans to have those opportunities for young people? Yeah, we, um, we love, you know, having, um, providing internship opportunities at, at AltCap. I mean, we have an intern um, at, or one or two interns pretty much all the time at AltCap giving people in high school, college, mm -hmm. an opportunity to really um, participate in, in the work that we do and, and, and learn from us. But also we, we learn from them. Um, I think one of your good friends, Zeke, uh, Carolyn Cover, yep. um, she's been an intern with us for, um, for the last nine months. I mean, she's, she's brilliant. She's been great. Mm -hmm. um, so she's, she's contributed so much. Uh, we've learned a lot from her, but I think we've given her a great experience. And um, so any, anyone else, um, you know, who's in high school or college and, and wants to learn about uh, community development finance or, you know, what a CDFI does or how, how we bring capital to communities. Um, yeah, I would love to, to give them an opportunity to, to be a part of the AltCap team. Yeah, uh, Yeah, you know, young people, you know, to be cliched, our future, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, thankfully. Uh, because I think, you know, new perspectives and, and, and a lot of energy uh, is what propels us into being a, a, a better society. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that I worked on uh, or that I was charged with on Mayor James's transition team was rethinking the boards and commissions appointment pro process. And uh, we increased the diversity in terms of racial and, um, you know, age-based diversity on boards and commissions under his administration by like over 200%. Wow. Um, and it took, you know, you have to have a young person in your circle who knows other young people. Otherwise, if you're, you know, you know, white dude, you know, a lot of other old white dudes. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we made it our mission to seek out young professionals and to place young professionals on each of the city's boards and commissions to give them that experience, but also to get that perspective in, in city decision-making. And I think that that, uh, is, is valuable to, to any organization, but there's, there's a lot of opportunities to get involved as a young person, whether it's, mm. you know, a political appointment, which is just an application away, uh, or the Centurions program or the, the Casey tomorrow program, that the civic council does, although it's kind of like mid career. Um, but there are different opportunities that you can, you're either ready for now or that you should set yourself on the course for, uh, mm. to be, you know, a young contributor to our community. Mm, mm, that's awesome. Um, it's been another Fight of Casey show. I'm honored and thank you guys for coming on today. It's an honor. Um, and I look forward to being able to work with you guys more in the future because what you guys are doing are really um, phenomenal. You guys are helping the community grow. So I am I'm humbled as an impressed you in terms of you guys. So thank you for coming to Fight of Casey show. And you know, I just hope that you guys keep doing the work you do and stay healthy out there because it's a crazy time out there. But um, Thanks, but before I go, how can people reach out to you if they want to connect with you guys? So, uh, 
for me, email mclean.bryant, M-C-C-L-A-I-N dot B-R-Y-A-N-T at gmail.com or my Facebook on Facebook. Uh, okay. And that is just McLean Bryant Macklin. Okay. Yeah, I mean, check me out. R-U-B-E-N at A-L-T dash C-A-P dot O-R-G. That's my email, Ruben at alt-cap.org. Our, our website is, is www.alt-cap.org. Uh, and you know, my personal cell phone, 816-876-8670. Um, just hit me up if you, if you have any questions or, um, or you're interested in, in, in seeing how you can contribute um, to Alt-Cap Community Capital Fund or Equity Squared. Awesome, awesome. Thank you guys for that. Um, again, thank you guys for coming on. It's been another Fat Tasty show. Um, see you guys on the other side. Stay fired. Thanks, Zeke. Thank you. Take care.